Sporting touch of hands. Round number one. There's that fast start. Mama no born in the Bronx, raising data. Been in the city since Pit had braids. Bahapanti parties, but I know how to sneak me out. Now with seven figure meetings every day, we need a house. It's game time, the game's mine, you know the vibe. Welcome to another episode of Don't Blink. We're here with my boy, Too Nice. You already know in the building. Yes, sir. Yuli, look what you taught me. Okay, I'm like ready it. for today's episode. I like, I like it. Keep practicing. For uh, for me, it's more than, more than anybody else. Uh, it, it's dear to heart. You know, our guest today is uh, no other, no one, no one other than Orlando Cuellar, aka Commander Zero. This is uh, my father figure, and and when it comes to combat sports, he's a, a great role model in my life. He's definitely uh, changed my life around um, since I met him, and and mostly uh, and and more in, in my fight career. He's made it to what it is today, where I, I have the. You know, fastest knockout in combat sports history. That's all thanks to him, and and all my accomplishments in the in the last couple of years have been thanks to him in the fight sports. Um, uh, he's class of 2021 uh, Florida Boxing Hall of Famer, uh, winner of the class of 2020 Florida Boxing Hall of Fame uh, Special Achievement Award, 2004 Boxing Scene Trainer of the Year, two-time runner-up for Boxing Writers Association of America Trainer of the Year, an architect in the world in the world. Excuse me, an architect in the world of pugilism. You guys, are, we're going to let you know what pugilism uh, is soon for those that don't know. Over four decades, that's over 40 years in the fight business. And also a trainer of bare knuckle fighters and uh, MMA striking coach uh, with great names under him like Kobe Covington, Hector Lombard, um, Hall of Famers and world champions Glenn Johnson, Antonio Tarber. Um, listen, it's amazing to be here. This man needs a standing ovation. Thank you. Coach, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, a pleasure, an honor. I love you. I see you on a daily basis, but today's uh, more special than others. Um, you know, you've been around 40 years. You've seen it all from the, from the you know, beginning to, to what it is today. And, uh, you know, I want to start off since we, we uh, this shows a lot about current events. You know, I want to talk about, you know, COVID and, uh, and how it's affected us. And uh, how it hasn't affected us. <laughs> and um, and I want to say that Coach, last year on March 13th, which is the day before my birthday, it was a Friday, he fought uh, with one of our friends. He, he cornered one of our friends. He was a coach for, uh, for our friend Dago in a boxing match in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was the first event with no fans. Yeah, that was the first event with no fans. As a matter of fact, um, everything was getting pretty much uh, shut down. Um, all the shows uh, across the, the states and, and around the country were getting uh, pretty much canceled because of COVID because it was hitting pretty hard and we didn't know uh, we were having trouble containing. As you know, the country was was uh, was having a big problem with that. So uh, shows were getting canceled and we thought we were going to get canceled. So we were praying to God that we weren't getting canceled because they were just like everybody shutting down. But we were on an Indian reservation. And being on an Indian reservation, you know, they don't, you know, the, they the got United their own States rules. government doesn't have jurisdiction over them. So at that point, you know, the Indians said, okay, we're going to go forward with this, but we're not going to have an audience. It's just going to be bare skeleton crew, whoever's got to be there, fighter, uh, trainers, uh, you know, manager, that's it. Skeleton crew. And that's how we were able to be the last show televised before the COVID shutdown. No, that's amazing. And by the way, by the way. On paper, they lost that fight. But if anybody saw that fight, they won that fight clear as day. It, uh, that's, uh, that's the sport of boxing sometimes. It gets kind of crazy. 
But uh, coach, thank you for that. Let us know. Give us a little bit about the, your boxing uh, background, your history, how you how you got into the sport of boxing, and uh, where we're at today. Well, it's four decades. I don't know. We, that's yeah. a long time. It's a long time. We'll be here until next year. <laughs> we'll, we'll cut it into a couple of different but shows. Let, let me see. If, <laughs> let me see if I can break it down frame by frame for you. Yeah. Um, okay, how did I get into fighting? I um, we came over from Cuba, spent the year in Miami, moved to New York. In New York, I was uh, I had a lot of brothers and sisters, so I pretty much uh, you know was in the streets most of the time. My mother was busy taking care of the kids, so I was able to get away and and, and uh, you know hang out in the Bronx, Hunts Point in the Bronx. And uh, one day I heard a lot of noise. I must have been like eight years old. I heard a lot of noise in the street. And uh, there was a lot of people gathering around, and I went and I looked. And uh, there was these two guys fighting, a Puerto Rican and a black guy. And they were like bare-fisted, you know, going at each other, blood and everything, and people screaming. And I got, I managed to get my way to the front of the line. And when I saw that, I mean, I was I was intrigued from seeing these two guys banging each other the way they were hitting. So after that, I was like intrigued. I was I was watching all the fights on TV. Literally all the fights, all boxing shows on TV. Uh, then we moved to Miami four years later because I had asthma, bronchitis, and New York was bad for my lungs. So we moved to Miami, and in Miami, I find uh, the Fifth Street Gym, which is the original Fifth Street Gym. But I did that by way of a friend of my father's. That was Fernando Balido. He was the manager of Kid Gavilan in Cuba. Legend. Now, yeah, super legend, super legend. He was a manager of, Fernando, of uh, Kid Gavilan in Cuba. Then he came over to the States, and he had a, a stroke here. So he wasn't uh, working. So what, we'd do in, what he would do in his spare time would be train fighters out of the Fifth Street Gym, the original mm. Fifth Street Gym. So my father knew that I was having trouble in the streets when we moved to Miami because I brought that New York thing with me, the attitude and everything. So I was having a lot of trouble. So my father says to me, he says, uh, he says I want you to meet somebody. Um, come over tonight at 7 o'clock, blah, 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 this house. I want you to meet this man. He's in boxing. I want you to go to the gym with him. So I met Fernando Balido. So he took me on a Saturday to the Fifth Street Gym, and that's where it all started. On that Saturday, I remember going to the Fifth Street Gym. It was a coffee shop downstairs. You had to walk up the stairs. The gym was there, small gym, and you heard the pounding of the back. Tuk, 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 boom, boom, boom. And the trainer screaming, hey, move here, move there. All that. So I got up there. I'm like, holy shit, what is this? You know, maybe there's a little bit too much. You know, I don't know if I'm ready for this. So I go up there, and, um, and then... Um, I see, the first time I go up, I see this guy dancing real pretty and boxing, you know, flowing like a fly and stinging like a bee. Nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. You know what I'm driving at. Of course. So it was Cassius Clay. He hadn't changed his name yet. That was Cassius Clay. He was up there, you know, rope a dopey, you know, jabbing and you're moving around shadow boxing. And also in that gym was Willie Pastrano, Vinny Curto, Florentino Fernandez, Marcel Clay, Angelo Dundee. And uh, Chris Dundee, which was a manager and promoter, and Sarria the Masseuse. So this is legendary, legendary. Very few people. I don't think there's too many people alive today that were in that gym, you know, besides me. And and I was fortunate enough to know that in my class of 2021, the boxing uh, Florida Boxing Hall of Fame, uh, Marcel Clay was in that is in that class also. But he wasn't wow. able to make it because he had some um, some problem. The, the wife had problems, you know, with some condition in the hospital. And she couldn't make it. So Marcel Clay couldn't make it to the to last night, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna catch up with him, and he's in my graduating class, and it's incredible because he was at the gym mm-hmm. that day, and from there on, I was I was hooked in that gym for like the next year. I'll go only on Saturdays because it was a pro gym, but my connection and my juice, my clout was Fernando Valido. So he would get me in. I would hit the bags. He told me stay out of the way, just do what you got to do, you know, blah blah. So I would stay out of the way and hit the bags. But Marcel Clay, out of everybody. You know, was the guys that I that I really admired their style was Marcel Clay and uh, K 
Cassius Clay. Mm-hmm. No relation to Cassius Clay, Marcel. He's just, I think his last name is Clayton, but he, he went Clay. Everybody mm-hmm. wanted to be Cassius Clay back then. It's, it's amazing, uh, and sorry to interrupt you, but it's amazing just for you guys to be in the same class in the Hall of Fame because... You've, like I said, you've been coaching for over four decades, but this is over over forty years ago because this is when you were uh, starting to be 15. a fighter. I was right, fifteen. 15. So I, right, that's right. I, was, I was wondering, like, what year was it? Yeah, 1970 could have been seventy-two. That's amazing. Yeah, and during those times, it was it's amazing. That was that was the like there was a lot of activities going on there in the gyms and stuff like that, yeah, right? Especially, and it was like you said, it was uh, Cassius Clay pre Muhammad Ali yeah, gym. Exactly. You know what I mean? Right, and there was only the th- world epicenter. Right, there was there. only yeah. three channels on TV. There was no, uh, you know, it wasn't all the distractions there are today, all the sports there are today. It was either boxing, football, or baseball. Yeah. So all three were rich in talent. All the kids wanted, every kid wanted to, was in one of those. Mm-hmm. So you had a lot of talent. Everything was deep. So that was really pretty much, boxing was at the height of his career, the golden era of boxing. Yeah. The 70s, the early 70s, the 80s, and then it kind of died down a little bit nice. But anyways, I go to that gym, and that's how I started boxing. That's what I, started. I did a little. Wow. I did a little amateur. Uh, did some amateur work uh, fights at the Dinner Key Auditorium with another trainer that I had. He passed away. God rest his soul, Maceo. Um, Juan Fernando Belido couldn't make you know out to the gym with me because he couldn't he couldn't travel that much. So I went, I started working with um, Maceo, and Maceo was my trainer at that time. So Maceo told me I want you to go to Vegas and meet these people, you know, and see if they can sign you. I go to Vegas. And I meet um, Johnny Garcia at the Main Street Gym. There was only two gyms in Vegas at that. This is 1977. Only two gyms in Vegas. Johnny Tocos, mm-hmm. the famous Johnny Tocos, and uh, Johnny Garcia's Main Street Gym. Only two gyms. And I went to that gym and I met Johnny Garcia. And he introduced me to some people. They were wise guys. My father thought it wasn't a good idea for me to get involved with them. So he told me, listen, you know, don't do this. So I backed off of that. And I, I kept on going to my father says, I don't want you doing anything with fighting or nothing. I was I was a real respectful guy. You know, after I came off of that New York thing and I grew up a little bit, I started respecting my parents a little bit more, you know, and then I made sure that, you know, I followed in their instructions and, and their advice. So I didn't get into the fighting and I didn't want to say what they wanted me, but I, I had nothing to do with it. So I started training. I started training fighters. Mm. And at that time, there was Oscar Bonavina that had fought Ali. Ali, Oscar Bonavina for Ali, Ringo from Argentina. And there's another story. Now, I'm in the gym with Oscar Bonavina. I was a heavyweight, but I wasn't fighting more. So what did I do? I helped the trainer out, Johnny Garcia, only one trainer in the gym. I helped Johnny Garcia out um, and uh, and a few other fighters. And one of them that I really looked up to was Oscar Bonavina. So I started doing power with Oscar Bonavina. Now, Oscar Bonavina just so happens in 1977, he had some issues um, with his manager which was the wife of Joe Conforti. Joe Conforti was the owner of Sherry's Ranch, which was a brothel 30, 30 miles outside the skirts of Las Vegas. Nice. Yeah, so <laughs> so she was the man. She was the wife of Joe Conforti, a wise guy. And Oscar, there was a situation in there that I don't want to mention because I don't have all the details. But I remember on a Saturday, I patted Oscar down for a little bit. Johnny wasn't around. He had some things to do with the, the trainer, Johnny Garcia. He was around. He, he says, uh, he says uh, Orlando, look after um, you know, Oscar and, and a couple other guys. He just locked down, locked the gym before you leave. I said, all right. So then when he left, I'm doing a little power work, and Oscar gets done. And I told him, I knew Oscar was drinking. I told Oscar, you know, try to, you know, do the right thing. Get his, you know, you know, don't drink. Don't do anything that's going to hurt you. You know, just, you know, do the right thing. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So next day, Sunday morning, Excuse me. Oscar was shot. 
They killed Oscar. And anyways, that was the, that was the first or second phase of my boxing career. Then I kept training fighters, then I moved to New York. And in New York, I found a Gleason's Gym in Brooklyn. There, I trained some of the best of the New York fighters, best fighters New York ever had. Yeah. Or at that time, Freddie Soden, Roberto Frias, Vinny Mataloni, that fought Iran uh, Holyfield, Tyson Fury, Aaron Superman Davis, Pedro Saiz, a slew of fighters. And uh, in 2000, I decided to move to Miami because it was too cold in New York. My kids uh, were having asthma, bronchitis, mm -hmm. and they were really having trouble with them. You know, and they couldn't go outside. You know, New York, it's, you know, when it snows, it's, it's, uh, it's really bad for kids. You know, they can't play or anything, so you got to keep them indoors. So I thought that was a little brutal for them, and, and then my little boy started getting asthma. So what I did was I moved to Miami, and that was the best thing I ever did. Once in Miami, I started training out of, I forgot, South Beach Boxing. Mm. And there I had met a gentleman by the name of Glenn Johnson. The road warrior, baby. The road warrior. Love the road Glenn. Warrior. Shout out to Glenn Johnson. Yeah, man. shout out to Glenn Johnson. And at that time, Glenn had 11 losses. And I was training Lou DeVal, Honey Boy, which was a top 10 fighter on his way to a title fight. So I used Glenn to spar with Lou Honey Boy DeVal. And, um, and Glenn uh, didn't do too good. Didn't do too good. He thought he was a boxer, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it didn't work out. So anyways, um, we finished our, our training camp for, 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 um, for Louis DeVal. We went to, uh, to France. We fought for the title, came back, and then uh, Glenn says, Coach, I want you to train me. I got a fight, and it's only five weeks away. And I'm like, yeah, who are you fighting? He says, Eric Hardy. Now, Eric Hardy was, was a champ that, that had just lost his title to Roy Jones. He had mm -hmm. torn his bicep, beating Roy Jones. He beat Roy Jones like nine rounds, and he tore his bicep. So this was the guy... After Harding got his bicep reconnected, everything was good to go. And he's a, Glenn was a sacrificial lamb for Eric Harding. And I says to uh, Glenn, who are you fighting? He says, Eric Harding. I'm like, Eric Harding? He goes, yeah. <laughs> I like, and how much time? He goes, five weeks. I said, where at? He goes, in New York. I said, don't tell me he's at Jimmy's Cafe and the promoter Salmo Sumichi. And he goes, yeah. I said, man, you're going to be the sacrificial lamb. I'm setting him up for failure. I says, they're setting you up. I said, how much are they paying you? And he told me, I'm like, that's short. He goes, come on, coach, please, and then that, you know, please, coach, I'll do whatever you tell me. You know, get me right. I go to work with him. No, I'm lying. I didn't go to work right away. I said, okay, Monday at the gym at 10 o'clock in the morning. He said, I can't go to the gym at 10 o'clock in the morning. I said, why not? He says, because I'm working construction. I'm a carpenter's helper. He says, I can only show up at 7 o'clock at night. I'm like, wait a minute, 7 o'clock at night? I got nothing for anybody. I'm home watching TV, relaxing. <laughs> I said, I'm not going to train anybody at 7 o'clock at night. I'm home. That's Merle's, that's Merle's training time. That's Merle's time. Yeah. That's coach's wife that's training. That's what I get trained. That's what I get trained. So anyways, he coached you, please, please. And I'm like, okay. To myself, I said, I'm going to take this guy, and I'm going to give him that kind of workout that he's not going to come back. So I'm waiting for 7 o'clock at night. It was on the uh, South Beach Boxing on the second floor. He walks up to the, to the, to the gym. I'm waiting for him. I got the, my, my body shield on. I'm waiting with hand pads, waiting for him. Like, let's get this over with. He walks, he's got this white powder on him. He just came from the construction site. He changes, comes out, and I like, put the gloves on. And pop, 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 patting him down, this and that. I must have done 10 rounds <laughs> trying to kill him, wear him out. He hung in there, breathing heavy, out of gas. He hung in there. And I'm like, okay, tomorrow. He goes, yep, tomorrow. He came back. Again, I tried I tried to kill this man. Finally, in the in the third week, he says to me, he looks at me as he's sitting doing his setups, and I'm stepping on his toes. He looks at me, goes, Coach, I really want to win. I want to win. 
I said, okay. He keeps doing his exercise. So then um, we go to the fight. We go to the fight. And um, and this is fight night. Sal Musumichi, the promoter that had ties with the fighter that we're supposed to fight, sees me at LaGuardia Airport uh, Hotel. And he says, he says, hey, Orlando, what are you doing here? I says, uh, I says, I came to, for the fights, Sal. He says, yeah, listen, we got to talk about Lou DeVal and Eric Harding after this fight. I looked at him. I said, Sal, don't you know who I'm here with? He says, who? I said, I'm with Glenn Johnson. He looked at me and his jaw dropped. <laughs> He's like, you've been training Glenn? Been they training? set you up too well, coach. <laughs> yeah, and I, and, he, and, I, and I said, yeah, I'm the, one tra- I'm the one training Glenn. I'll be with Glenn. He goes, I knew that. I knew that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Now, fast forward. First round, put the heat on Eric Hardy. Second round, more heat. Third round, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Ten round fight for the USBA title. On ESPN, Friday Night Fights, it was like for all the glory, this was to be what was going to give Hardy the platform. We stole the show. Nice. Mm-hmm. Stole the show completely. We were the new kids on the block. At least Glenn was. Because they had known me, but they just didn't know me and Glenn. Mm-hmm. So really, when they're talking about the show and you watch the fight at the beginning, they're not giving Glenn too much, too many props or giving him too many chances of winning. But everything starts changing. After five rounds, they start buying into the fact that, wait a minute. Hardy needs to, you know, there's, he should be looking like, you know, there's a little bit of urgency here. Mm-hmm. You know, he, Glenn is still racking, he's starting to rack up rounds and putting rounds in the bag. And at the end of the fight, you know, if, if he can't knock out Glenn, they're going to tally this up and look, it's not looking good for Hardy and blah, blah, blah. So after the fight, they announced Glenn the champion. They give him the USBA t- uh, belt, which was our first belt together. Nice. And, um, and on the way out, Sal Musumichi, the promoter, is there with the, with the fighter. And um, as we're walking by, Sal, which always wore a suit and a tie, you know, really dapper-looking guy and everything, dressed nice. He's got his hair all messed up, his tie is sideways. And then I walk by him, and I'm, and I'm like, so long, Sal. And he says, he looks at me, he goes, what? I said, so long, Sal. Looks at me, he says, yeah, yeah. I says, hey, Sal, you slept. <laughs> you slept. After, to this day, I call Sal. I've called him a few times. This was... 17 years ago. So to this day, I've called him a few times, and I'm hoping he gets over it, like trying to get some of my fighters on his show. This freaking guy won't answer my freaking calls. He will not pick <laughs> he, up my calls. He, he won't answer he blinked, back. He blinked. He blinked. He, he, like, he, 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 he still hates me. Again, a huge shout-out to Glenn Johnson. He actually got inducted to the Hall of Fame yesterday yeah. with Coach Oslo. So big yeah. shout-out to him, yeah, man. Yeah. Congratulations to Glenn Johnson. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge Road Warrior fan, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Real humble guy, yeah. real good guy, yes, hard sir. worker. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Coach, um... So I found out two days ago a great friend of mine, um, Erwin Rivera. He actually fought on the same card that I fought on on Titan. He was the main event on the Titan card. He's an MMA guy. He, uh, I guess he had, he's been going through some mental health issues nobody knew about. And he said that some voices were talking to him and he attacked two of his sisters. So he's in jail right now. But, um, you, know, I, you know, my condolences to his family. Uh, you know, uh, Erwin is in my prayers. He's a great friend of mine, a, a brother in this, in this sport of fighting. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about mental health and, and fighting. I know you've had your, your share of, I mean, you've had 40 decades of fighters under you. And I know you've had some. Four decades, not 40. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Four decades, 40 <laughs> years uh, of fighters under you. And, you know, I know you've, you've like, you know, rest in peace to Oscar. He, he, you know, he went through what he went through. Who knows why he got shot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Oh, he's one, he's, one, he's one of a few fighters that I've had that have died. Yeah. One of a few. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes yeah. when I say my yeah. prayers, I mention a few of them. No, and I yeah. know, and I know, um, you actually coached um, the the hammer. 
Uh, what was his nickname? Was his name? His nickname was the Hammer. He he's the guy who sang, who killed. Yeah, uh, I don't like to talk about him. Well, Jeez. but Jeez. But, yeah. yeah, but well, sorry to bring it up, but, oh, but he had mental health issues, you yeah. know. And uh, so, what what do you think about that? What do you think about the sport and and, uh, and um, what do you think can be helped during or after for for mental health issues on fighters? Well, I'll tell you. There's this is the way. This is pretty much, you know, in a nutshell, what it is. To be a fighter, to be a fighter, you have you probably come from a dysfunctional family. You come from a dysfunctional family. You've had some kind of trauma in your life, um, some kind of neglect. Parents could have been, you know, you know, abusive. You've seen things that are not kosher. Um, you you're traumatized. So. What happens is sometimes kids, what they do is they become introverted, you know, and then they do drugs and, you know, they, they commit suicide and stuff like that. Or, or they trust in somebody else that, that gives them bad advice and then they go the wrong way. Um, but then there's these other kids that are tougher kids that decide to fight. So these tougher kids that decide to fight, this is a way out for them. So when they get it, when they get it, they want to hit somebody. They want to hit something. So when they get in the ring, they basically need to fight and hurt somebody. So when they do that. You know, they find their balance, and it's almost like them. They're torturing themselves because they got to get hit. And at the same time, what they're doing is they're hurting somebody else since they can't hurt the people that hurt them. Right, right. So it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a psychological and a physical thing that, that, that happens that keeps them, you know, sort of sane, you know, from boiling over and doing things that, you know, could be worse. Yeah, yeah. So this is good. That's why sometimes fighters, when they retire... They go to alcoholism, they gain a lot of weight, they have issues, you know, domestic violence problems, you know, um, legal problems, you know, yeah, because yeah. they don't have that anymore. They can't vent. Yep. So that's one thing. But the best thing you can do, look, every case is a different case. Absolutely. You know, I myself, I myself, you know, a good trainer. I don't consider myself all that and a bag of chips because I don't see myself like that because... It's just not the way. If, if anybody sees themselves like that, it's never going to prosper. It's mm -hmm. never going to evolve. It's never going to get better. Yeah. You can't see yourself like that. You got to always think. You got to look, really look at yourself, and always try to improve yourself and, and better yourself. Your accolades say otherwise, but we'll we'll go with what you say. But exactly, but that's because because you put in the work and you put in the time. Because exactly. I know that it's not about me looking at me. It's because me paying attention to work I got to do. I'm very articulate. And I'm very focused on what I need to do. And I take on projects. I like projects. I'm an engineer. So for me, it'll never end. Because to me, it's like a, an engineer built skyscraper. Just because you did a great monument doesn't mean now you sit back and you look at it. Yeah. No, that's, that's, some more. That, that's done. Here comes another challenge. You know, can you put a skyscraper in Abu Dhabi or, you know, any, the, so then you're back at a new project. Here's the challenge. I challenge myself every time I get a new project. And this is one right here. You know, Ulysses Dia was a project for me. You know, so... Um, every time I get a new project, he's not new anymore to me. You know, he's we're running, going towards two years now. But um, every you know, but everybody else, it's it's that's the way it is. Yeah. So that's the way I look at it. But um, but look, every trainer has to, or a good trainer should have the ability to psychologically get into your fighter's head, understand what hurts them, what makes them happy, what makes them tick, what makes them jump. You got to listen to them. You you. You got to listen to them. You got to spend time with them. It's like, it's painstaking. Mm -hmm. It costs money. It costs time, you know, and, and I've given away so much time and I've helped so many people. But when I look back at it, I'm like, look, I don't have that much time left for me to 
keep helping this many people. It's a waste. Not I, I'm waste. like, look, I'm getting older. I don't have the energy I used to have. People got to give it back now to you I now. I look at my fighters like, you know, now I have the ability to get name fighters, big fighters. that I, I look at, look, let's do this. I'll give you what I got. I'll give you what I got. You know, um, you know, let's do this together because I need your help. And that's the way it is. But, but going back to what you're saying, individuals that are troubled, fighters that are troubled, fighting is a way out for them yeah. for a while. But they need a mentor. They need psychiatrists. They need parents that are caring. They need good friends around them, because at any moment, you know, you know, they can, you know, they yeah, can, they can slip yeah. to the other side. It's 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 a whole formula. And you you said something that uh that uh, that touched me because uh, I heard uh, I heard Mike Tyson say this the other day, like less than a month ago, where you were saying like uh you know how they they you're in there and they, you kind of wanna it's like. You want to take out this anger, but Mike Tyson said it in his words. He's like, being in there fighting is like dying without dying. You know, it's like it's like you you kind of like in there to hurt yourself, but then you you come out, and you found out you didn't die, and it's just this 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 feeling of you know elation. Revival, well, being in there dying, like like you know, it means that you're you're about to face right. something or someone that can hurt you. Right. Your biggest fear. You trained to kick somebody's fucking ass. Now somebody else trained to kick your fucking ass. Right. So and you got people that are depending on you. Them, you know, their money's riding on you. You don't want to let them down, but you can't back down. So now it's your skin, your balls on the line. So you got to come through with it. You, there's no backing out. There's mm-hmm. been individuals backed out, but we ain't gonna go where you back out. Yes, sir. You shamed yourself. You shamed everyone. You're done. So you got to go through with it. You got, you know, hey, roll the dice. So yeah. that's the way it is. So I understand what Tyson said. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anybody going through any issues, man? You know, reach out. Reach out to your doctor. Reach out to anybody that can help. Um, you know, I. It, like I told my friends, you know, we all we all go through things in life. I'm, I'm here to I'm here to if anybody wants to talk, I'm here to listen. You know, coach does that for me. I do that for him. We we know we're 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 each other's shoulder to, to talk to, and uh, and all our friends here. You know, we're we're here to help. Just don't keep yeah. it to yourself. Yeah, that's exactly. all. Don't keep yeah. it to yourself. Absolutely. Because because if you're at that point, you need help. So don't try and do it by yourself. Absolutely. Find somebody. Talk to somebody. Absolutely. That, that's uh, that's the hardest part. So if anybody sees anybody out there going through something, just make sure you know try to reach out to them. Uh, Coach, I wanted to speak to you about something current, man. Uh, did you <laughs> see all the Trump supporters uh, uh, rushing Capitol Hill the other day? We had uh, four people. I think four people died, or, or one lady died, and four people got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think was going with what's going on in the world right now with, with elections? <laughs> Everything is not as uh, as easy as it used to be, man. Uh, it, it looks uh, looks a little crazy out there now. Listen, I don't know what kind of conspiracy, what's going on, who's who, who's right or who's wrong. Yeah. But this whole thing, you know, when Trump took office, um, they tried to impeach him. Multiple uh, times. Yeah, multiple times. Um, he's a very, you know, then he got to Twitter. Um, he's a, the type of guy, he doesn't filter anything. He speaks his mind, and that's it. You're... You know, if you're not with him, you're fired. Right, so, right, 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 right. Either you like him or he doesn't give a shit. So he's trying to fire everybody that's not with him. Right, right. So, you know, obviously that's not going to work. You know, it's not America's democracy. It's not a dictatorship. I'm not saying the man's a dictator, and he's old school. You know, I respect yeah. that. He's old school. And uh, and he figures that I think the way I see it is he's trying to make America great by instilling the old, the old um, – um, laws and or, or, or beliefs and you know and how you got to run things how you go, you, you can, no it doesn't work anymore the world has changed it's not the same you got to be a little bit more open you got to accept people conditions you know I don't know but it seems like he's been they've been trying to get him out then this COVID thing came about I don't know if China did it who did it 
or whatever, or if it's the super flu and they just inflated it, gave it a name, and you know, and and then they're using that to lock people up. And if they lock people up, they can't work, and it messes up the economy. And if it messes up the economy, then Trump is in trouble. So Trump is trying to kick money back to the people in order to keep them happy. As we find a cure, speed up the virus, speed up the the the, uh, the, the vaccine, get the vaccine to them. But who do you get the vaccine to now? Now what is it? Gates, Soros. Yeah. Who's behind that? Yeah. So all of a sudden, somebody got in, and they there's so much going on behind the scenes here that we don't know. Maybe Gates and Soros now are the the ones that that, that finance the, the the vaccine. That this vaccine now is the one that's going to get sold to the country, and Trump is the one that needs the vaccine in order to get the country back, you know, up and running. So it's like this is a whole. Because <laughs> it's so confusing yeah. that I don't well, know, man. I don't well, think anybody can figure this shit out. Yeah. For real, the way he just broke it down like that, I was just picturing everything in my head. Like, yo, this is a D that that like a like almost like like for real. Like, it's almost like what, like what is it happening? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know what's going on. We so, really don't. We could just hope that if the if the injection is real, that doesn't have any side effects. That there's no mutations and shit that happens later on the line. Because look, vaccines have to be. Sometimes it takes a few years to find out what it does to human beings and their and their you know and their bodies because everything. Notice that when you go to the doctor, he gives you a prescription that has five side effects. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like you open up five cans of worms. I mean, this is the type we don't just know. A, just to cure one. You're gonna kill yeah. one, but you, you, got, you got five problems. So you're over medicated. So now this vaccine, what the hell? Yeah. I'm not taking it. Yeah. I'm gonna nah, wait. I'm, yeah. so that, that, I was gonna ask you that. I was gonna ask you that about the vaccine. So you're if, if you're gonna wait, you're gonna wait on it. See what man? What, uh, they literally gotta go come and pick me or hold me down and put that shit. In. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not taking yeah. that shot. I don't know. I'm not. Look, I'm not doing it. No, I'm no, not doing it. Hey, look, I'm gonna do like highly, highly. I've heard some people highly. What they do is they lock themselves up, chicken soup, uh, Tylenol. Yeah. Plenty of water and just stay indoors until that shit goes away. And vapor rub. And vapor rub. And vapor rub. And vapor heals everything. I've been hearing about the vaccine that um that that the people getting it that they uh the people getting the vaccine can't get COVID but they can still spread it. So that, no, 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 no. You can get you can COVID, get COVID and spread it. But now there's another mutation of COVID. Yeah. Now it's another one yeah, that's yeah. that's a little bit sneakier than COVID. <laughs> yeah. This is okay. We know COVID now. That's trying to scare us. What the hell's going on? Are they trying to scare us some more? Keep no, it's the in? truth. They yeah. want they yeah. want yeah. Trump out of office yeah. so bad, and now want to keep us like that. So we want Trump. I don't know what's going on, yeah. man. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I don't I don't understand it either. And uh, and I'm wondering too if I wonder if I mean when he has till January 20 to leave the White House, no. I don't know. I, somewhere, sometime in January, yeah. he's got to leave, but but uh, they might have to drag him out of there. So, so on the flip side, so on the flip side, knowing knowing those things, like what do you guys think we should do amongst ourselves, like amongst the community? You know, you Yuli got the fighting versus hunger. You know what I'm saying? And that's really brought a lot of people together. You know what I'm saying? Especially during these times where we probably need that more than mm-hmm. ever. You know what I mean? What what else? What else? What do you think? We should tell the world that's watching right now, you know what I'm saying? Something positive in, in this moment right now. Hey, man, you know what? This survival of the fittest. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, mankind, we've survived everything. Everything. We've survived First, Second World War, Vietnam, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. You know, we're going to survive it. That's it. There's going to be, you know, there's going to be a few of us that are, that are going to, you know, get taken out. But but a human race will survive. There's only so much. You, look, take care of yourself. You know, do what makes sense. Provide for your family. Don't hurt nobody. Um, that's it. Just be, you know, believe in, you know, have a faith. All, all religions are good. You know, have your faith. 
Be strong, and that's it. Do you. Look out for your family, but don't hurt nobody doing it. And you know what? Some of us are going to fall through the cracks, but man, humanity will survive. That's it. We're not, gonna, we're not all going we're not all gonna get wiped out. It's just some stuff that's going on that look, you know, yeah. there's there's the way the world is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really is. So we deal with we deal with everything millions of years we've been dealing with shit. We're gonna deal with this. And we're gonna you know, some of us will yeah, make it. Yeah. Well, bottom line, let that's it rip. It. Exactly. Let that's it rip. It. Bottom line, let's go. Exactly. Yes. You know what uh Tuna I said uh, uh, a couple episodes back and uh, something that, that that's really really dope stuck in my head was that that this COVID thing really uh you know, either brought the hustle back into people, you know, brought the hustlers mm-hmm. back out. If mm-hmm. the people that hey, we mm-hmm. gotta figure out what to do, mm-hmm. and uh, if you were already a hustler, it, it, it upped you. If you weren't one, you started becoming one. You mm-hmm. know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And if you were one in the past, it brought the back the old hustler yeah. back out of you. Mm-hmm. You started trying to uh, you know figure out what to do, and that's great. In mine and coach's case, because when COVID hit, you know we're blessed enough that we re- we live really close to each other <laughs> and um you know we try to start figuring it out all right they shut everything down there's no gyms we could go to there's nothing we could do coach come over to the house we started in the backyard on the on the floor you know hitting our mat you know coach with his mask and a shield on you know <laughs> and uh and we started doing our mitts back there you know got a couple of, of our close friends to, to come over and start training with us and it developed into what we have today which is called the jungle gym we have a a ring you know thanks to to my boy apache and izzy we have a multiple bags from Amazon and we we have a whole gym structure back there you know we have a whole training facility where people come and uh I feel like you know we've been able to help people by building that gym coach has multiple people coming over there on a daily basis to come train uh and they're all messed up for anybody watching this <laughs> but um <laughs> but we have people we have a release for people you know where people were trapped at home and there was no gyms open there was nothing to do we told people hey come over here we're open you know, uh, you know, as long as you're not feeling sick or feeling any type of weight, come out here and, and get some exercise in. And this is actually a way to fight COVID. You know what I mean? If you're inside your house fucking watching TV, you're laying down and dying. If you're out here getting the sun with us, running the block, hitting the mitts and getting this exercise in, it's something that we're, you know, tr- that's our own vaccine, which we're trying to fight COVID. So, uh, you know, me and coaches have always been hustlers and we definitely stepped our, stepped up our hustle game during this whole COVID thing and got this together. And, uh, and it showed... On that night, November 13th, Friday the 13th, we, we trained all our ass off, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. through the whole year. Mm-hmm. And uh, in November, you know, it, yes, it was a three-second knockout, but it was a ton of work that me and Coach put in together behind yeah, that three-second yeah, knockout. Yeah, it was, it was a long training camp that made for a short fight. Yes, sir. People don't know what goes on behind the scenes. But 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 going back to what you're saying, uh, adding to what you say, Yuli, um, when COVID hit, all the gyms closed down. They all closed down, and people basically had to stay indoors, you know, um, and didn't have the, you know, especially people that worked out, didn't have that that, that avenue to, to, to keep working out. So what happened was the word got out that we had, you know, we had opened up the jungles. And not opened up, we, had, we were training in the backyard. Because mm-hmm. it all started, like Yuli said, he wanted to keep training, and we had we had we we wanted to stay in shape. So when, when this, we thought this was going to clear up in four weeks or six weeks, right. and we'd be right back in business. So we always with that mentality. So we started with a heavy bag, then we put a, a uppercut bag. They put another heavy bag, then a speed bag, then a re- everything marshal. So now we got a full uh, training facility in the backyard. Mm-hmm. So people got wind of that. What better place to get vitamin D, which is neat. You know, it's great, you know, against COVID. Open air yeah. and plenty of room. Nobody's closed in. There's no uh, vents, you know, moving the air back and forth, you know, recycling. Who knows what? 
So it was perfect. It became a smash. <laughs> the, yeah. That was the birth of the jungle gym. Yeah. We had uh, yeah. a, a Nuevo Herald has come out there and interviewed me and coach. Miami Herald has come out there and interviewed me and coach. Uh, multiple other you know journalism uh, people have come out yeah. and talked about it. So mm -hmm. you know we've we've uh, we've you know and and this is not to pat ourselves on the back. This is not for any thank yous or anything like that. But, you know people watching know who they are. We've uh, we've saved many people from the trenches, you know, people with mental health issues that were hurting that they got to come train with us and now are are excelling in life. Uh, we've got, you know, a couple friends. I, I had a friend of mine, great friend of ours, uh, started at 190 something pounds. And now he's at 150 pounds, looking in great shape. You know, mm -hmm. people, people have lost tons of pounds. Look, in the jungle every, gym. Everybody lost weight, including yeah, yeah. other than that heat. Yeah, yeah. The jungle gym, yeah. you're in a jungle yeah. environment. Yeah. So you, you're sweating and you're working. Yes, sir. Yeah. So yes, sir. everybody lost weight. Even yeah. those that didn't want There were those who came around and were losing yeah. too much. Yeah. People, and they said, wait a minute, I got to stay yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get too skinny. Yeah, they lost weight. Uh, you know what? And our, my same friend that lost those 50 pounds, man. Uh, you know, shout out to him. He knows who he is. But... Uh, He got a, uh, he you know he's not he's not a he's not a professional fighter. He's you know he actually uh, teaches children and stuff. And uh, on Halloween night, he's walking out of a bar. He's minding business. The guy's a great guy. Somebody jumps on him, and he he had learned to, you know on by Halloween he had already been in the jungle gym for months. <laughs> he knows how to defend himself. So the guy jumped on him, and uh, for no reason, somebody drunk on the street, and he got to defend himself and show and show the guy what he had been taught. You know what I mean? Like, and, uh, and he two, came who, out who? on top. Yeah, he came <laughs> out on top. You know, so so a lot of things. Literally have, uh, on top. Yeah, he, yeah. Was yeah. The bottom, he was on top, yeah. and he's punching the guy. Said the guy yeah. moved his head, so he punched the ground. Yeah, yeah. All the knuckles are broken yeah. up. And oh, he was, yeah, 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 he was. He like, came out on top. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've uh, we've uh, you know a lot of things have birthed from the jungle gym, man, uh, and that that all started because of COVID. So, um, you know, I, I hate to brag about it because a lot of people had a tough 2020, but I, I, my 2020 has been one of the best years of my life. I made the most of it. I, I, my, my hustler game went through the roof. I've always been one, but it went even higher this year. I mean, or last year, excuse me. And uh, it's looking like a bright 2021 for me and Coach because of all that that we didn't. Listen, you know, listen, we, we weathered a terrible storm. Absolutely. And, and, and we did it because we're survivors. We're survivors. True to the heart. Down to the core. We're survivors. But what happened was, since we're survivors, everybody, the people that came closest were survivors, but we got a, we got heart. We got heart. Mm -hmm. And we feel for people that try to survive, too. But you got to be real. You got to really want things. So we helped those people that came around. Yep. So together, us being survivors, they turned into survivors. So together, we formed a big group. And we were able to overcome, and we became stronger from it. Mm -hmm. So now... That it seems like, look, we know what COVID is and we know what's going on. A few things are opening up. Now you got people that want to operate, people refusing to close down. You got people that are closing down. So now you can maneuver yourself. It, things are now, you know, it's almost finding that right balance now mm -hmm. because things aren't the way it should be, but it's not like we're not shut down. It's yeah. not like we're shut down. So now in that balance, we're able to go ahead and start making moves. So we weathered the storm. So now we're out of that storm. Me and Yuli, pretty much, which are the core of what we're talking about. Yeah. So now we're so now we're making the big moves, and that's where the two second, under three second knockout came from. All that suffering that we did, and all the hard work, because right. we oh, had yeah. it in us to go out there and get it done. That's right, and we did it. That's right. That's right. Together. That's right. Thank you for that, coach. I love it. I had to get you back in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's all about you. <laughs> Right. Plug it back in, <laughs> but you know how we do, right? Yeah, you, know, you give me a head, pull me up, and yeah. I, when I'm up, I give you a head, pull you up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Coach. Yeah. Uh, another topic we got here, man. I talk about this topic comes up in every episode because it's uh, something I've been thinking about since I was a kid, bro. Mm. It, it uh, it's it's still mind-boggling to me. But so with the COVID bill that Trump signed 
a while back, whenever this COVID thing started, he signed a COVID bill. And in the COVID bill, they said that they had to disclose um, UFO information when uh, after a certain amount of time. So we have 167 days, which on June 27 of 2021 is, is, is the due date of the days they got to disclose for UFO information. Have you ever been into UFOs? Have you ever been into anything crazy like that? Or You mean un- unidentified flying objects? Yes, sir. Yes, Fuck sir. no. No? No, man. I don't believe in that shit. No. That's, that's sci-fi. You think so? Fuck yeah. You think we're the only people no, on this whole galaxy? we're the only motherfuckers out here. Yeah. <laughs> the only ones. There's nobody know. else. That's uh, it. That, it's us. I don't know, man. I, that's I, us and the stars. That's it. There's a, there's a, there's a, I'm going to save this one for a whole, another episode because we're going to be talking about this for hours. There's a, there's a bunch of evidence of, of uh, some crazy <laughs> bullshit, shit, man. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. You think so? Listen, Area 51 is something else. I don't know what they're doing in Area 51. <laughs> that un, that place in that undisclosed location yeah. somewhere in the middle of the Nevada desert. There's fucking nothing going on. Those guys are fucking... They're fucking Smoking pot and shooting guns and they're not doing take, shit and it's all bullshit. Taking acid and shit. Yeah, <laughs> man, it's fucking UFO <laughs> bullshit. No, yeah. that's for people in these eighties. You you remember the one time? This is one thing that really stuck out in my head. The one time that they came out with this situation where it showed like an alien sitting on an operating table. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And this guy in a white coat and a nurse and everything really like you know like underground and you know they had the, the they covered up because the thing might have uh, you know some kind of bacteria that they were afraid of you know unfamiliar things with and then they take the alien and just lay into the ice you know just like you know the alien type of look mm-hmm. so they take and they kind of cut it up a little bit and the thing doesn't bleed and all that mystery and then all of a sudden they go like this and they run they turn the camera off and, <laughs> yeah. you know and they say well there's you know there's the, some footage out there of the alien you know at um area 51 that was uh you know, almost like independence day you know yeah and this alien there there was a hole there a crater on the ground and and there was a parts of a spaceship and mm-hmm. bullshit yeah. bullshit oh, bullshit well, Look, god, hollywood. God, god is an incredible creator absolutely god is an incredible creator i'm not gonna get into religion right now because i don't know unless you really tell me we're going into religion <laughs> but i'm not gonna get into religion because look the beauty of this show is and and, and i think I'll, I'll take i'll take that upon myself say the beauty of any show is that you bring on individuals and you want them to give you your take, give you their take, mm-hmm. real take. Yeah. You know, on what you want individually, you want individual originality. You know, people that will speak, people that are going to say what they feel and not be afraid. And I'm here to speak and to say it. I'm not yeah, afraid that there are no freaking aliens let out it there. Go. There's it's no bullshit. Absolutely. You, you got a, a, no, a, 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 a pyramid. No, a pyramid is something else, too. That, no, that's no, crazy pyra- to me. No, well, how, do they, how they build the pyramids? Yeah. How they move those rocks? Oh, they got cranes over no, there? Nobody oh, knows. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Now, that is fact. That There's fact. Something happened. Okay, something happened. The aliens didn't do that shit. No, 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 no. No, no, no. no. Aliens didn't do that. Aliens didn't do that. Who did that? Well, well, you know, the Egyptians. You know, you wait, know wait, wait, before you get into it, before you get into it, I want to hear it. But listen, to this day, in 2021, with all the computers, with all the bulldozers, cranes, and all the technology we have, we cannot duplicate a pyramid. They have no idea how that was built to this day. So they have ideas. We, are, we all have they ideas. Have <laughs> I, they have ideas. It's but not they, that they don't have an idea. They have ideas. Look, they got pulleys. They had pulleys. They have these long um, type of telephone pole you know, one thing that yeah. you, you roll things, yeah. a million men, you know, there's a way of doing things. And they, they were incredible engineers, but yeah. they were the minds. They, look, if you take a human being and you put them in a situation and you don't give them anything to work with and they really have to make it work, they're going to figure out a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Some will be, you know, beautiful and great creations and, you know, and, and worthy, you know, Objects or projects or survival things that they do, and others won't, mm-hmm. you know. But just so happens that these were very in, in, super intelligent people, you know, that knew how to move big rocks 
how to chisel these rocks and put them in place with, with, with measurements and everything. So still to this day, because those people died now, we don't know how they did it because it died with them. Mm-hmm. But it's there. It's there. And it's not an alien thing. Now, today, it's easy to come up with machines and everything that is going to build skyscrapers. We have a, it, Today's technology is incredible. But we would have to get rid of this technology and go back and think like a caveman <laughs> and then be stuck, nowhere to go, and we have to build these, these pyramids. And maybe then we think... You know, like they did. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I don't believe aliens did that. I don't. You know, I want proof that I believe more that these people did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they, these aliens. people had a way of doing it yeah. than aliens. Yeah. Listen, you said it right there. I want proof, man. I want proof. And listen, regardless, I, like I said, on the COVID bill, it said that they have now, now from when they signed it till now, they have 167 days to uh, to disclose their UFO information. So on June 27, 2021, we'll figure out what. Are the you fuck serious that about is. this? Yeah. I swear to God. There's yeah. a date to undisclose? There's a, yeah. there's a date, yes. There's a date and there's a bunch of people behind it ready to hear what's going on and I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Coach, listen, man. A pleasure to have you here. Yes. Um, you Again, you're a father figure to me in this, in this fight game and besides the fight game, you 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 give me life lessons. It has nothing to do with fighting. Um, you're a great person. Um, I'm so awesome that you got inducted to the Hall of Fame this year. Thank you. And last year. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for your wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you for treating me the way you do, loving me, loving my family. You know, I love you. You are family to me. And uh, amazing to have you here, brother. Thank you so much for, for today. Give me a big hug, and that's all I want back. All right. But hold on one second. On this show, it's called Don't Blink. We we, we got to have a... It's uh, a don't Blink it's, contest. Yeah, it's a staring contest to see who blinks first. Oh, Are you man. ready? Look into his eyes, coach. Wait, wait a minute. Oh, oh he's getting ready. Okay. <laughs> I get ready for okay. okay. I, I, I got him teary-eyed before he could do it. <laughs> Sabotage. Are you ready? No, no, hold on a second. First, I got to ask, I gotta ask a, a couple of questions. Okay. Oh, okay. Get, 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 put the mic back. Put the mic back. I got to ask a couple of questions. Now, what's the longest time... That the staring contest is. Well, I'll tell you like this. I haven't uh, won one yet. One, two, three. Okay. All right, you win. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, I love you. Yeah. I was about to think of serious. I think me and Two Nights got something great going on. We got some great guests coming up. It's gonna be dope. We got some dope people that that already you know signed up to do it with us, which is great. A lot of people show us love. And uh, it's because we love them back for sure.